Are you looking for answers to life's biggest questions like, who are we? What does it mean to be a human person? What does it mean to be a Catholic in America today? How can I be a prophetic voice in our culture? The Center for Faith and Culture at the University of St. Thomas in Houston now offers its MA in Faith and Culture online. This program transforms students by immersing you in the historical, cultural, and theological patrimony of the Catholic tradition so that you'll go out into the dominant American culture and leaven it with the good news. Students can audit courses, get an 18-hour certificate, or go for the entire MA program. For more information, Google Center for Faith and Culture, the University of St. Thomas. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Stuart Squires. I'm the Associate Director of the Center for Faith and Culture and Associate Professor of Theology at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. The Center for Faith and Culture brings the Catholic voice to the ongoing conversation about the meaning of life and the liberty and pursuit of happiness we hold in common as Americans. Today's guest is Father John Paul Bolger. He is the Associate Director of the Catholic Charismatic Center in Houston, Texas. He's from Cambridge, Ontario, and entered the seminary in 2000 at the age of 21. He was ordained a priest in the Order of the Companions of the Cross in 2008. After his ordination, he was assigned to serve as parochial vicar at Queen of Peace in Houston until 2015. Uh, Then he was reassigned to serve as the director of the Newman Center uh, at the University of Houston, where he served for three years. And Father John Paul comes from his assignment uh, just about a year ago uh, as pastor of St. Scholastica Parish in Detroit, Michigan. First of all, Father uh, John Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Welcome. Pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, I'd like to talk about the uh, Catholic Charismatic Movement, and then we can get into um, uh, specifically what the uh, Catholic Charismatic Center here in Houston does. Why don't we start with a very uh, basic question. Uh, what, is Catholic, what is the Catholic Charismatic Movement? Well, I think that's a, a great question, a question that uh, the Charismatic Renewal has probably been asking itself from the beginning. <laughs> and uh, I think probably maybe in the last 10, 15 years, got a better sense of, of what it means to be a, a movement because uh, it's been something very close to, to the heart of, of Pope Francis. Uh, the, the charismatic renewal, as he describes it, is really a, a current of grace. It, it's not a movement like traditional uh, ecclesial movements within the church because it, it doesn't have a founder, uh, doesn't have a structure, a membership, or, or program. It's, a, it's really a, a sovereign grace of God meant to, to bring life uh, and give birth to, to different communities and, and movements within the church itself. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the history of it? Um, we're a 2,000-year-old tradition, but it has, in a sense, I don't know if it's sort of been reborn in the past few decades, or would you say this is a new thing? How, how do we understand this within the grand history of the tradition? Well, if we want to get back to kind of specific origins, we within the Catholic Church, we would look back to uh, Duquesne University uh, in 1967. If we want to look back before that, really the what's called the, the Pentecostal movement within the Protestant uh, mm-hmm. side uh, of the Church 
uh, goes back all the way to 1901. But I would say, you know, for Catholics, we're looking really at 1967, where uh, at Duquesne University, a group of university students got together and uh, during a weekend retreat and uh, discovered as they, they prayed uh, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, discovered that uh, God would pour that Spirit out upon them in, in that weekend. Mm. So on the one hand, you say there's not a founder or gr- group of founders, and yet it seems like there is a particular historical moment. Did those people who received the outpouring of the Spirit, did they uh, sort of organize at that point or um, make a conscious effort to spread this in, in any sort of way? I believe that given the, the circumstances, especially them being uh, college students at the time, uh, no one was expecting what happened, and so no one knew really what to do. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was only uh, by way of action of those people unprepared kind of going out and sharing what they had received that weekend with others. Mm -hmm. I believe some of the first places that uh, the charismatic renewal uh, was spread were were other campuses such as uh, Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we get a little more specific on sort of what uh, the charismatic movement looks like, how it has the sort of distinctive flavors or tastes, um, what sort of holds it or binds it together, a shared mission maybe or shared focus in some way? I think the thing that is is held in common by by people who have either been involved in the renewal or spent time or have met people who have been uh, touched um, by by ministry uh, of the renewal is uh, a particular grace of kind of a spiritual awakening where a person would uh, understand that they are a disciple of Jesus, and that uh, Jesus is their their Lord and Savior, much like you would uh, hear from um, uh, evangelical Protestants. You know, they'll, they'll ask you always, you know, is, is Jesus your your Lord and Savior? Um, I think the thing that characterizes is is the experience of of God's uh, personal uh, presence in in the life of the person, and awakening them to. Uh, their vocation uh, as a Christian. Mm. You mentioned several times uh, Protestantism, and you talked about the, uh, uh, within Protestantism this movement sort of going back, a renewal going back to the early 20th century. Uh, so, and, and generally, I think when people think about uh, sort of charismatic renewal, it would be in a Protestant form. So, um, how is the Catholic charismatic renewal similar and different from a Protestant charismatic renewal? From what I've learned is that um, because of the kind of the unprecedentedness of of the experience that began uh, in 1967, uh, really beginning kind of with a group of lay people, Mm -hmm. the the hierarchy of the church, of course, didn't necessarily know what to do. (laughs) No one knew what to do with the experience. They never do. And uh, (laughs) and so they really, uh, those within the renewal kind of, found a um, a welcomed uh, heart on the part of, of 
Protestants who have already been experiencing this grace in their own churches. And so a lot of the early uh, teaching and understanding of what, of what the Catholics were experiencing was actually coming from uh, Protestant churches mm-hmm. um, that had already accepted really this grace within their denominations. Um, in Houston here in particular, there was an Episcopalian church that was really kind of the center of, of, of renewal. Mm-hmm. Um, you sort of mentioned here a second ago that it was started as a lay movement and the hierarchy certain didn't know what to do with it. That was back in the late 60s. Um, talk about the sort of relationship. I mean, obviously you're a priest, so and the Catholic Church, the hierarchy has not uh, sort of rejected this movement. Uh, is it? Would we call it more uh, lay-led, though? And what is a sort of... Is there a tension to this day between the hierarchy or as, you know, to put it in words that you sort of did, has the hierarchy figured out what to do with this movement in some way or is there still a a moment of confusion? I think in in the upper uh, levels of the church, there was a recognition that what was taking place uh, was was from God. And and so the the Holy Father appointed uh, Cardinal Sewins Kind of as a, as a pastoral uh, overseer of, of of what was taking place, and and to be able to to guide the movement uh, as much as was possible. On a local level, though, of course, uh, they're really depended on on the local pastor or the local uh, bishop to kind of decide, you know, what, what you know whether he uh, believed this was from God and and whether this was. Uh, something that he uh, wanted to welcome into his his diocese or not um we we talk about the the church you know the sort of classic uh, image that saint paul gives us as a body right and the, the the different parts of the body have sort of different functions contributing in one way or another um what would you say is the sort of unique or uh, special uh, gift to the body of Christ that, that this charismatic renewal gives uh, to the rest of the church for those who are not uh, intimately participating in it in some way? I think the, the grace that's available um, for, for all Catholics um, is that it is, is really the word renewal itself. Mm-hmm. So it the, the charismatic renewal I don't think was ever meant to take the place of um, any other forms of of spirituality mm-hmm. or uh, of uh, Christian living. I think it, it it was really meant to renew the the forms of of religious life and and spirituality that already existed in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think that grace still exists today, and I think perhaps uh, a lot of the caution or um, perhaps negativity towards the renewal came as a result of of trying to implement it as a um, standalone spirituality or, or standalone uh, way of living uh, the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Um. There are, especially if you go on the internet, which is probably a bad bad idea, it seems to me, these days, uh, going on the internet and reading what you see there. There seems to be a lot of misunderstanding about the renewal. Um, 
What are some of the biggest misunderstandings uh, that you've heard about the, the, the renewal and how would you like to clear up those, those misunderstandings? I think uh, the heart of the misunderstandings came uh, because of the, what I would call the manifestations uh, that people experienced when they uh, experienced a spiritual awakening. You know, depending on, I guess, how the 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 grace uh, of God and or the effect of that that spiritual experience had on the person. Uh, in particular, I would say uh, people speaking in in what we refer to as tongues uh, really uh, kind of got people scared or um, really caused them to kind of question what was happening. Um, because it, it was really outside of, of the kind of the norm, the common experience um, for the for the people of that of their day, and even even today, I would say people, um, I think they would like to, um, what would be the word is uh, to write off people who who use uh, spiritual gifts, spiritual charisms, but I, I think in particular uh, the use of, of what is referred to as as tongues. Um, really kind of turned people away. What would be the biggest misunderstanding of that experience when somebody, especially from the outside, is looking in uh, who hasn't had the personal experience of so-called speaking in tongues? What's the, what's the heart of the misunderstanding or what, why, why is there f- fear of that misplaced? I think it's because the, the nature of tongues, it, it doesn't, Tongues in this uh, reference is not different languages, as, mm-hmm. for example, like in Pentecost, the, the mm-hmm. apostles began to speak different languages. Right. What we're talking is more uh, a form of, of, not as a language, specific language, but a way of, um, in a sense, uh, allowing uh, the presence of God within a, a person to kind of... Um, praise God in a way that's perhaps not organized. So I, mm-hmm. I think I think um, there's a, a, a bit of being, uh, giving oneself kind of permission to um, to kind of act foolish or be foolish uh, in that sense. Mm-hmm. So you, you sort of point to a difference between this experience now with Pentecost, but even so, is there does Pentecost sort of hold a special place uh, in this renewal as a as a uh, a particular focus in the life of the church? And if so, what what is that um, special moment or special relationship looking backwards towards Pentecost? Uh, I think the renewal we really see ourselves as a, a new Pentecost. You know, at the beginning of a. The Second Vatican Council, John the Twenty Third, prays for a new Pentecost, mm-hmm. and and then five years later is 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 when we have the birth of the of the renewal. Um, so, as a new Pentecost, I think is a recognition of the our our time and place as as needing that, and the Church needing a new Pentecost. I think in particular the the cultural uh, situation. Uh, back in the in the late '60s, mm-hmm. a lot of confusion, especially following uh, the Second Vatican Council, 
the Lord uh, giving this special grace of a new Pentecost uh, to the church uh, for the sake of the church and, and for the, the mission of the church as well. You'd mentioned uh, that this sort of uh, found its beginning here in the United States in Pennsylvania in the late 60s. Um, has this spread throughout the world, or does, is it generally still an American or North American uh, experience? I think today, for example, I'm 42, and I would consider myself, anybody kind of my age or younger, probably doesn't know very much or hasn't heard or seen very much uh, of the renewal. The, the, the kind of the heyday of the renewal, I'd say, was probably into the 80s. Mm-hmm. And after that is is kind of gone into a, a decline in the English speaking countries mm-hmm. uh, here in the United States as well, uh, but very much in uh, Hispanic uh, speaking countries, uh, parts of Africa, Asia, the the renewal is still uh, growing. Why would is is there one or two reasons that you think there has been that decline in the English speaking countries since the eighties, or is it just sort of a a million different small reasons? Is there something that you can think of? Uh, I, I've been thinking about that personally. Uh, my personal opinion is is now that I understand the renewal as a as a current of grace for to renew the church uh, and not to be made into a, a separate standalone movement um, I think that it, it kind of had its peak in the sense of, of its uh, influence and that, it's, that from that point it was meant to kind of uh, soak into or seep into the, the different uh, communities and, and movements uh, of the, that already exist in the church. So I think it's uh, much like Pentecost uh, that, the, that the apostles uh, experienced um, you know how how many generations did uh, the experience of a Pentecost uh, influence mm-hmm. before uh, you know the, the the church kind of became um, removed in a sense from from that experience. So I think in the same way um, the the renewal as a, as a grace uh, had its had its um, kind of explosion at the beginning and is meant to. Uh, in a sense, infiltrate the uh, the different parts of the church. Mm. Why would why um, do you think that this has continued, as you said, to grow in the Hispanic community? Is there something about uh, um, this renewal that appeals to to that particular culture? Yes, absolutely. We, we've seen where uh, evangelical Protestantism has made great inroads uh, in in traditional catholic uh, countries has been precisely be uh, bringing this this pentecostal uh, grace uh, to the people and 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 cultural wise they're they're much more open spiritually much more open and um believing god's desire and ability to to break into their life and to to work and in, in influence their life in a powerful way. Um, what would you say to someone, especially a Catholic, who doesn't have any experience in this, who might be interested, but uh, because of a lack of understanding of what it is, that they might be a little nervous or, or uncertain? What would you say to them 
as to why that this could be helpful to them or why they might want to get involved or, or allow the spirit to transform them in some way? I think my, my uh, advice would be to kind of ask, ask yourself, is uh, the life that, the Christian life that you're living, is it, is it bringing you life? Are you, are you a, a witness? Is your, your lifestyle uh, bringing a witness to the gospel and to your faith? Uh, and if it isn't, then really the, the grace of the charismatic renewal is for you. It, it's to, to bring the person alive uh, for the sake of giving uh, witness. I think that's especially, um, and maybe this is why it sort of started in, uh, in the late 60s, I think that sounds to me to be important in this sort of postmodern culture that we live in, this idea of feeling alive or feeling on fire or something like that. Uh, you know, I can't count the number of times that I've heard or, or uh, people say, you know, that they just feel that they're dry, that they just go to work every day and then they come home and they eat and they go to sleep and they get up and they do it all over again. So it sounds to me like this is kind of an antidote to that sort of uh, the, the postmodern condition we're living in. Would you say that's true? I think so. I think um, that's, you know, we believe God is alive. Mm-hmm. He's the God of the living um and and he is always active mm-hmm. and so knowing uh the, the the circumstances of of our culture and and the world is always seeking to to bring people into that ex- encounter with with his uh with his love and mercy Let's talk about uh, specifically the Catholic Charismatic Center here in Houston. Uh, uh, I've never been here before. This is a wonderful space. It's quite big. Um, t- talk about the center. What is it? What does the work that it, it does here specifically, concretely? Any sort of programs or uh, um, uh, how does it outreach to the to the community? Well, the the Charismatic Renewal here, the Charismatic Center, uh, had really humble origins. Uh, it was really uh, founded by uh, Father Richard Paulison, who was a, a Mary Knoll priest who, uh, back in uh, the early 70s, uh, himself already being a priest for some years, uh, welcomed a, a, a small group of students one day into uh, his office to, um, this was a, a traveling missionary group that came in to, to use their chapel. And uh, he heard them kind of playing guitars and singing and, and making a, a ruckus, really. Uh, and then when he uh, he met with them afterwards and kind of they were sharing, you know, these these are young students who had been uh, had experienced uh, the renewal. And, and they kind of explained to him, you know, what was had been taking place and kind of piqued his his interest. And, and he ended up going. Uh, out to uh, a Benedictine monastery in New Mexico where uh, there was a, uh, really was kind of the one of the center points for early renewal. And peop- they were putting on retreats every weekend. Uh, lay people and ordained could go there and, and um, provide them with this kind of charismatic experience. And um, so then he he goes there and then he returns and uh, the Lord begins to kind of put people in his life who are 
having similar experiences and, and they begin to um, look for a place to uh, hold uh, prayer meetings. Um, so after about, about 20 years of ministry, they, um, someone came forward and, and they built this uh, charismatic center mm. back in uh, 96, I believe. Uh, today, um, the the Charismatic Center, we do have a permanent English community, so we do have a Sunday Mass. We're not a parish, right? We're, canonically, we're we're an oratory, really. Um, but we've had always tried to not be a parish because that's not what we are. Um, so the, I would say that the ministry of the Charismatic Center is kind of twofold. One as a place of evangelization. So we, we still put on monthly retreats, um, monthly in Spanish, bi-monthly in, in English, where people can come and, and still have kind of that original charismatic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of that is is once people have had that experience, we invite them to kind of take some formation in uh you know, for a lot of people, the the, the the weekend retreat is is really their first encounter with God, mm. their first uh, return to the church. And so uh, with some of them, you kind of have to start from the beginning. Uh, we encourage them to, uh, you know, go to their local parish. But to, to receive formation in the charismatic renewal really means to uh, learn to, to use some of the, the charisms of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in their life and, and in their ministry. Are you looking for answers to life's biggest questions like, who are we? What does it mean to be a human person? What does it mean to be a Catholic in America today? How can I be a prophetic voice in our culture? The Center for Faith and Culture at the University of St. Thomas in Houston now offers its MA in Faith and Culture online. This program transforms students by immersing you in the historical, cultural, and theological patrimony of the Catholic tradition so that you'll go out into the dominant American culture and leaven it with the good news. Students can audit courses, get an 18-hour certificate, or go for the entire MA program. For more information, Google Center for Faith and Culture, University of St. Thomas. So retreats, formation, uh, other other sort of uh, uh, events or experiences that happen here on a on a regular basis. Uh, usually on an annual basis, because we're so large, we mm. you know we seat uh, I think twenty six hundred people. Mm. Uh, we do host large events um, within the diocese. Other groups will will come and and uh, have events here as well. Um, but really, to kind of um, keep being uh, available as much as possible to, to those who uh, wish to uh, become uh, aware of, of, of the grace of the charismatic renewal. Mm-hmm. And what is your uh, specific role here as the associate director? What do you do? How do you facilitate the work of the uh, Catholic Charismatic Center? So my our ministry here is divided uh, between the English uh, and Spanish. <coughs> uh, the majority of of the ministry being now in Spanish um, is to kind of oversee uh, which 
um, courses, uh, kind of retreats and courses that we offer for people. Um, it's also kind of like a spiritual uh, accompaniment for, for those. We have about 300 people who are involved in ministry here. Um, so to, to provide kind of spiritual accompaniment uh, for them. Um, because the, the, the use of the charismatic gifts, you know, whether it's uh, prophecy or uh, healing prayer, um, requires a lot of uh, spiritual maturity, emotional mm-hmm. maturity. Um, so it, it's one thing to kind of give people uh, the know-how to, to pray with someone or to, to do intercession prayer, but really for them to also grow in their own spiritual life so that they're not uh, just focused on, on uh, accomplishing works. Talk more about this idea of the necessity of, of spiritual maturity or emotional maturity uh, within the life of the reform. I mean, we all, in a sense, we all need to be spiritually mature, but what is it, this sort of this special uh, need uh, here in this, in this renewal for that? I think what, what happened in, the, in the, the early experiences of the charismatic renewal um, was heavily dependent upon the experience. So people are having these, these uh, spiritual encounters, spiritual experiences, and their, their lives are being changed and transformed. Um, but a lot of it kind of became dependent on, oh, how does this experience make me feel? Mm. Um, and as long as I feel good, as long as I feel consolation, then uh, I must be in, in good uh, relationship with the Lord. Sure. And I think what people discovered is that, oh, we, you know, we can't throw, just because we've experienced a, a Pentecost doesn't mean we can throw the rest of uh, the tradition of the church uh, away. You know, we right. still have to, uh, devotion to Our Lady, to the saints. Uh, it's still important to have uh, obedience to the hierarchy. Um, and a lot of those things weren't really present in the early in the early days, I would say. And so it's been a, a process of, of growing and learning and, and kind of bringing about an integration uh, for those who have been in the renewal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, um, some of the, the big names that are involved in renewal and, and who have remained faithful have really kind of, uh, I think, seen themselves drawn back kind of closer into the heart of the church where... Uh, the 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 primacy is on one's spiritual life and and and, and uh, the mystical uh, life of prayer. So, um, you know, we try to 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 make that available for for people here. Uh, earlier, you talked about when I asked what is the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, and you sort of said uh, this is something that everybody in the move the, the renewal has been thinking about and talking about the past few years, and then just now you talked about. Uh, sort of struggling through some questions or wrestling with questions. Um, what would you say are some of the important questions that that those in the renewal are asking about the renewal? What are the, the things that need to be worked through, thought through, lived through, uh, so that there's a, maybe a fuller expression or a fuller, uh, uh, more clarity uh, for yourselves? The thing that comes to mind for me is 
how God works a interior transformation that is begun with kind of this initial encounter with God, uh, this this uh, charismatic experience. Uh, for a lot of people, there's confusion because uh, they think that the 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 encounter, the initial encounter with God, the charismatic experience, is kind of the um, the peak, the the um, the uh, the the high point in their relationship with God, and and a lot of people saw that uh, they had this kind of uh, mountain peak experience, and then from there, it didn't get any higher. It mm-hmm. kind of they came back down to reality, True. Um, and so it was kind of a a bitter. Uh, experience i would say to realize like no the the the, the charismatic experience the, the pentecostal uh, experience is is just the beginning it's kind of like a an explosion of of, of grace uh, a moment of conversion and and that's the beginning and from now you know from that point on you've got to you've got to start climbing the the, the mountain uh, of, of holiness and, and integrating uh, and allowing uh, the grace to now begin to to transform interiorly those things uh, in your life that are are incongruent uh, with with living the faith. Mm. Um, so you talked a minute ago about your sort of role as uh, as the associate director. Um, you are, as I mentioned earlier, a priest in the Companions of the Cross, and I noticed on the website uh, that several of the priests here are in that religious order. Uh, can you talk about the, the the charism of that order and its sort of relationship with the charismatic renewal? Is there a direct relationship, or is it sort of coincidental that, that the priests who are here are all of that order? That's a good question. Uh, yes, there is a, a fairly direct relationship. We would we would say as companions, we were kind of born out of the renewal based on our, our founder, who was a diocesan priest, uh, who was... Um, involved in the renewal from his own personal experience having his life you know changed like millions of others have uh around the world and from that uh people who were who were young men who were drawn to uh him and and his ministry kind of became the um the the seed uh, of the community, um, so we we would we would consider ourselves a, a charismatic community in the sense of of our spirituality. Um, that that meaning that in our ministry we uh, we expect to use uh, the the charism of the spirit in in our ministry as priests. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you personally get interested in in this uh, Catholic charismatic renewal? You'd mentioned that, or I had mentioned that you were from Canada. Did you first experience this up in Canada, or was it when you came here to Houston? My my first encounter with the charismatic renewal was actually at a uh, youth conference in Steubenville. Oh, sure, Steubenville uh, University of Steubenville, and um, at the time, this is probably the early 90s, mid-90s, um, what was happening was uh, 
parishes were were sending kind of busloads down to these uh, conferences, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand of, of teenagers at, at one, on a weekend, and and in the hopes that uh, you know their their teenager would be uh, changed or converted <laughs> uh, over the weekend, you know, sure. and come back. Um, so actually, my my first experience was a, a negative one uh, because. Um, of all the the people on the the had, on the bus that had gone down to this retreat, I seemed to be the only one that didn't have any sort of radical uh, conversion or experience, mm. uh, and so I, I kind of struggled to uh, make sense of that um, for a while, and, and it wouldn't be until I, I went to university. Um, in the city where uh, where the companions were, that I, I came in contact with them, and discovered that, um, contrary to my belief, they're actually quite normal people <laughs> uh, that are, are have experienced that the charismatic renewal, and so that that kind of changed my uh, perspective towards the the renewal, and um, I, I was able to. to develop a, a greater understanding of what it means to be uh, charismatic and, and what it means to be a disciple. How would you say your experience uh, with the renewal has transformed your own sort of personal spiritual life? Uh, my own spirit, my own personal spiritual life, I, I would describe, I think as many other people were, is, is the, uh, an awakening because prior prior to that, I would say I was a fairly traditional, or what, at least today, what would we call traditional? You know, sure. go to church on, on Sunday and, and uh, pra- you know practice the sacraments. Um, I think it, it's really brought home for me the the uh, the personal dimension of our faith that our faith isn't a, a set of moral. Uh, rules. It's not uh, just external actions that we perform that um, what we believe about God and, and what we believe about what we uh, worship, how we worship, uh, it, it should be something that I, that I experience in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not once every, once a year when I, you know, I go and do a retreat, um, but, th- but on a daily basis, uh, you know, I, I expect to to see God at work and, and to experience him in my life. How do you, getting back to an earlier point that you had mentioned about the, the, the problem of thinking about this or experiencing this simply as an emotional experience, emotional high, and then <laughs> the reality of life kicks in afterwards. Um, how do you personally sort of walk that balance between having this or seeking this experience uh, every day in your life, this experience of God, while at the same time recognizing that the foundation of our spiritual lives can't be emotions because emotions come and go. How do you, how do you wrestle with that in your own life? I think what's helped me a great deal is uh, St. Ignatius and understanding uh, consolation and desolation Mm. and that ultimately uh, we, we, we like desolation. I mean, we like consolation. You know, consolation makes us feel good. Sure. Um, but ultimately, 
we don't want to depend on the feeling of consolation uh, in order to uh, feel secure uh, or certain about what we believe and who we are and, and, and what we're doing. Um, and so it, it's kind of a, I would say, there's the, the emotional development that comes along with um, realizing, you know, when I've uh, become dependent on uh, the feeling mm-hmm. and and really the experience of uh, difficulty or suffering mm-hmm. forces you to kind of decide, well, you know, just because I'm suffering doesn't mean the Lord doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't feel that love in a tangible way um, doesn't mean he doesn't love me. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that is has really been a uh, uh, the great learning experience mm-hmm. for myself. So there's sort of two poles that always need to be avoided in our spiritual lives. And the one we've been talking about the one side of sort of grounding it only in emotion because emotions come and go. The opposite sort of pole that also needs to be avoided is sort of a, 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 a strict intellectualism, right? Just thinking about, you know, Thomas's five ways or something like that. Um, um, and so we need to find that virtue, that mean between the extreme of, of the intellectual life, the spiritual life, the, the, the the heart. So let's sort of talk about that other side now, the sort of intellectual component. So w- you talk about not basing your uh, spiritual life entirely on emotion. How does the other side, though, play into the Catholic charismatic renewal, the intellectual aspect? Um, I mean, again, you're probably not sitting around reading Thomas Aquinas together, but what, what, where does that fit? Where does the intellectual tradition of the church fit into this? I think what it's done, uh, in particular for for members of our community who um, who are more on the intellectual side, is mm-hmm. that the, the the charismatic experience um, provides a, a new source of um, energy mm-hmm. and uh, enthusiasm and appreciation for the, the intellectual uh, tradition of, of the church. Um, there are some who are, are still probably, you know, it's either one uh, one or the other. Right. Um, but I think that, that the, the, the grace of, of, of the charisms really provides a, a spiritual energy and, and, and desire to, to deepen one's uh, knowledge of, of the church and uh, knowledge of, of Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody were interested in getting involved, um, how, wh- where would you point them if they wanted to learn more? Would they go to a, a particular book or a particular website, or should they just seek out a, a community? Of course, we in Houston obviously have this community here, the center here, but uh, a lot of places they don't have something as sort of formally organized as this. So if somebody wanted to go more deeply into this, where would you point them? It's a good question. Um, I think, well, there's 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 one um, kind of ministry, at least here in the United States, and and they do mission work uh, in other countries of uh, uh, as well as renewal ministries uh, with Ralph Martin. Um, that uh, they have different resources 
of course, now with the pandemic, a lot of, of things are, are more accessible because they're, they're put online. Um, to, I would think to, to start probably with, with Renewal Ministries okay. and see what they are offering and what they're doing. And um, I mean, if, you, if, if, you, if you're looking for books, there's, there's probably tons of books uh, mm-hmm. out there, books on healing, uh, books on uh, the Holy Spirit, um, So I, I think in terms of, uh, you know, since we have the, the resource of the Internet now, uh, is to look at Renewal Ministries or even just check if there is a, a charismatic group in, in their diocese or, mm-hmm. or nearby. Um, you know, and if, you know, if that doesn't happen, um, you know, always to uh, never be afraid to, you know, in, in your own personal uh, prayer is just, Lord, uh, give me this experience of, of the Holy Spirit. Is there a central prayer that that seems to be um, often prayed in this community that that has a special resonance or a special place in the hearts of of um, of the Catholics in this experience? I think um, you know in the in the beginning of of the renewal. Uh, there, there wasn't necessarily a, a formula mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, how do we provide a, uh, a space uh, where people can um, be open enough to um, ask for the Holy Spirit. Um, over time, they kind of developed what was called the, the Life in the Spirit Seminar, mm-hmm. which is a series of, of seven, developed into a series kind of of seven teachings with the final or the close to the final teaching is where you so you, you build up to learning about the holy spirit learning about the church the the experience of pentecost and then at a certain point then they provide an opportunity to to kind of like invoke the holy spirit mm-hmm. but uh i don't think they ever really um develop a certain prayer i think what we often do here is um, depending on, on the situation, is to invite people. Uh, they can do it whether you know if where they're standing in the pew or if they're listening at home. Is is just to um, to invite God into their heart, invite uh, open their heart to to Jesus, invite the Holy Spirit um, to in and, and to do it in a, an intentional way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been a while, but uh, th- there used to be the tradition of doing kind of like an altar call. Oh, sure. Uh, after Mass yeah. or at the end of Mass, you know, where anybody who's never, um, you know, asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior uh, to come forward and, and, and to do that sort of thing. So um, I don't know if that answers mm. the question. Uh, final question. Um, I always like to end on a, a note of hope. Uh, we are a people of hope, specifically hope in the resurrection. Um, so when you look to the future of the Catholic charismatic uh, renewal, what gives you hope? What gives me hope is being able to see that, um, you know, whether it's here on a, on a local level or um, internationally, that uh, the different communities 
and and movements that have kind of developed since the uh, the charismatic renewal, um, I think, are kind of signs of hope that the the effect uh, of the the charismatic renewal is um, accomplishing what it was what it was started for. Mm-hmm. So not that it remains a uh, visible separate identity, but that at least that the grace uh, of the renewal uh, is is at work in in the different communities and, and movements within the church. Well, Father John Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Are you looking for answers to life's biggest questions like who are we? What does it mean to be a human person? What does it mean to be a Catholic in America today? How can I be a prophetic voice in our culture? The Center for Faith and Culture at the University of St. Thomas in Houston now offers its MA in Faith and Culture online. This program transforms students by immersing you in the historical, cultural, and theological patrimony of the Catholic tradition so that you'll go out into the dominant American culture and leaven it with the good news. Students can audit courses, get an 18-hour certificate, or go for the entire MA program. For more information, Google Center for Faith and Culture, University of St. Thomas.